Are you ready to take the lead in the dance of life? Fall in love with who you are right now and find uninhibited joy every day? Then it's time for you to flaunt your smart, sexy, and spiritual self. Join radio host Laura Cheadle and learn how the five steps of flaunt can help you quit seeking approval, proving your worth, and release you from the judgment of others. Express all that you are, discover your naked self-worth, and finally, enjoy the life you've worked so hard to create. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Flaunt, the podcast for women who are ready to get to know themselves and then show themselves unapologetically for who they are, not for who they think they should be. So they can re-choreograph the next stage of their life and live full out on their own terms with their kind of enthusiasm, joy, and passion. I'm Laura Cheadle, former corporate attorney turned burlesque dancer, author, and life choreographer. And today's guest is gonna blow you away. Today's guest is the absolutely incomparable Gina Hatsis, the founder of the Too Much Woman movement. And in lieu of a formal introduction, I wanna read you something that she wrote that, oh, I just love. It's the untold story of the Too Much Woman too intense, too sensitive, too emotional, too passionate, too driven, too smart, too sensual, too needy, too ambitious, too fat, too plain, too bitchy, too honest, too pretty, too wild, too successful, too intimidating, too sexy. She is dangerous. The too much woman is forced to cram the bigness of who she is into a tight box of predictability and stability. Her bright sparkle must be dimmed. Her radiance must be kept in check. The too much woman is not safe in a world that is afraid of her power. She is shunned, misunderstood, ignored, rejected, abused, threatened, objectified, anything, anything, anything that will keep her tucked into her smallness and not threaten the status quo. As a woman, Medeyeva straddle these two debilitating paradigms, subduing our too muchness and ruminating in our not enoughness, which are in fact opposite sides of the same coin. Bam, I hope you all could feel that. And no matter which side of the coin you're on, too muchness, or maybe like me, I'm never enough. Like Gina said, it's two sides of the same coin. So let's start talking. Welcome, Gina. Wow, what a great intro. Thank you so much. Hi to everybody. I'm so excited to be here. Ah, I'm so excited to have you here. Let's just kind of start from the beginning. Too much. You say that you were a too much little girl. Let's talk about how that felt and how that manifested and tell us your beautiful story. Thank you so much. Yeah, I love starting in the beginning. I mean, chronologically, as a kid, um, I remember I have so many memories and it's funny, I unpack them even now today, things that I've repressed for so long. But I remember being told I was too sensitive. I was too emotional. I cried at every single one of my birthday parties. Uh, I was too dramatic. Um, I, I was told I was too ambitious. 
Um, when I was older, I was, I was too provocative, too bold, too outspoken, too sensitive. So over the course of my life, I've collected all these little stones of too muchness. And what they told me is they were actually, they were kind of like bumpers, you know, the bumper cars at the fair. They were like bumpers on, on who I was that kept me in this very particular jelly, jello mold and told me that in order to be loved and accepted, which is what we all want, in order to be successful, in order to be seen as a classy, reputable um, person to be taken seriously, that I had to look, act, dress, be a certain way. And I believe them. And most of us buy into that story. I believe them. And you know, to be honest, it worked for a while until it didn't. And what happened to me and what happens to thousands of women that I speak to all the time is we get to a point where the facade of fitting into that mold gets so unbearable, so uncomfortable. It's kind of like those skinny jeans where like the muffin top is like bulging over the top. And you just say, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. This isn't fun. And so that's, that's really where it started. I mean, there's only so much you can tuck it in <laughs> before, before, you know, whatever you suppress wants to be expressed. And so that's really the story of my journey. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I, I feel that. And I think every listener out there can feel that in whatever whatever terms, you know, they might have some different terms than you have or some different stories than I have, but it's the same thing. We are raised to please. We're raised to make our parents happy, to make our teachers happy, to get the degree, get the marriage, get the house, get the dog. We're, we have all these boxes and we want to check them. At what point did you first start, not necessarily rebelling, but saying, this is not a jello mold that I like. When did that very first start happening for you? A beautiful question. I think I've always, and I know there's such a beautiful story of, we love the beautiful story of the light bulb moment of, you know, I woke up one day and, or, you know, God spoke to me and, or I had like my bottom of the barrel come to Jesus moment and everything changed. That's not my story. Throughout my whole life, I oscillated between the two. There was always this push, pull, push, pull. I had a rebellious soul. I wanted to be seen. I wanted to, to shine. Most children do. I mean, I think all of us do. All yeah. of us want to be expressed. And then we're, you know, we kind of conform along the way. But there was always a part of me that was scribbling outside the lines and then being tucked back in. You know, there were always consequences mm -hmm. to my too muchness. And so I can think back as far as even when I was a, a teeny itty bitty little girl and ripping off my diaper and, you know, like <laughs> wanting to wear my mother's high heels, being caught in the bathroom with her makeup all over my face, um, speaking up in class and being called a big mouth or a know-it-all because I loved learning and I had such a zest and interest in learning. Um, it just doesn't end. I had, you know, large, I have large breasts. It's like, how many times have I been told to tuck it away, put them away. I've been a 25 year professional speaker and I can't tell you how, for how many years I tucked my, my shine away in all the ways I would, I would make you laugh, you know, put my hair in a bun. I'd wear a very conservative business suit. I bought fake glasses. I don't even wear glasses, right. but I bought fake glasses to, to man up, to play the role, to be taken seriously. And I thought I was doing the right thing. I thought I was fooling them. Cause I thought, well, this is the man's world. If you can't beat them, join them. I'll become like a man, not understanding that 
that when, when we conform and when we shape shift and when we dim those parts of ourselves that, that really essentially make up who we are, we will never fully be expressed and we can't live our best lives. So I think it's been a whole lifetime of that and it still, still happens. I still catch myself because it's the human experience, right? It is, it is. Yeah. And my experience is similar again, yet different. I was a corporate attorney and my very first case, I talk about this in my book. It's a story that <laughs> I'm really passionate about but it wasn't my defining moment. I won my first case. The judge called me into his chambers instead of saying, holy cow, you're 22 and you just took on a very well-established attorney and you kicked his little patootie and you won. He said, you've got nice legs. If I were you, I would consider wearing pants. And you know what that hair of yours? It should be in a bun. And why are you smiling? Why, how dare you smile? It's like, um, I won a case. My clients are thrilled, I'm thrilled. I can stink and smile. And, and like you, that I would love to say, and that was my moment, my life changed. No, I did the same thing that you did. Okay, I'll cover it up. I'll, I'll wear the pants. I'll put the hair in the bun. I, I did some very similar things and I thought I was doing the right thing. And I think that's the point that I wanna bring out. There are so many of us who think we're doing the right thing. It's not, oh, I'm really playing the game, but we're like, yeah, I'm growing up. I'm mature. I'm fitting in. <laughs> I think one of the reasons we, we get misled is because that we're rewarded for that behavior, right? So people like us, uh, we get affirmed when we go along with the flow, when we don't cause disruptions, when we don't speak up, when we don't voice our opinion, we get more people get along, we're more likable. But the problem is we're being liked for, for what we are not. And so at the end of the day, it's, it, it's very unsettling because we go to bed at night, we put our head on the pillow and there's a knowing, a deep knowing that we are being accepted or appreciated, or maybe we've, we've achieved a certain level of success. Like as a 25 year speaker, I was touring the world. I, you know, I had corporate gigs. I was living a very charmed life. Oh yes. But there was still this emptiness. And I know a lot of people can relate to this. You can have all the stuff but there was an emptiness in me because I knew I wasn't being seen, loved, or appreciated for who I really was. Yes. And that disconnect, that cognitive dissonance uh, can, 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 can dry you out literally and figuratively. I mean, it takes all the juiciness out of life and really saps your life force energy. It's brutal. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Now, along the way, did you have some close relationships or some close friendships where you could kind of talk about that and support each other and truly see each other? Or did you feel like you were just in it alone? Yeah, only very recently, um, two and now it's almost three years now that my Too Much Woman speech went uber viral. Yeah. And, and, and when that happened, by the way, that was a complete accident. But that was a revelation for me because only at that time did I start to really understand what was happening. Like I teach personal growth and self-awareness. I mean, for, for <laughs> over two decades, this is what I teach. And I still, it was too close to me. I still didn't understand it. So I, I knew I was upset. I could talk to my girlfriends or you know, the people closest to me about feeling something was off or my frustration, or I knew that there were signs, but I couldn't put my finger on it. And this is the huge breakthrough for me is understanding that because it's so normative 
because this yeah. is the language of tuck it away. I mean, now we are, we are, I mean, go on social media. I mean, women are shamed for showing their bodies. Look how much critique about what women wear in politics or, you know, what JLo's looking like or how much work she has done. I mean, we are just constantly being told that we are wrong for what we do and what we choose for our bodies, our lives, ourselves. Mm. And so I, I really didn't have an awareness. So to answer your question, I wasn't having the conversation because I didn't know. And that's why I want to scream it from every rooftop. I want to say one more thing. Please. That alluded to your last question that kind of connects the dots. I, I, it's so important for me to say this. I am not here speaking to you or speaking on my platforms because I have arrived. I want to I really just kibosh the whole idea of the arrival of, of the place where you come, where you're like, I've arrived, I'm here, I'm full of confidence, I'm always myself, I never care what people think. This is BS. This is, it's, it's unacceptable. And quite frankly, that's what all the people are talking about. And it's not true. It is not true. The truth is we ebb and flow. We expand and we shrink. We, we take a few steps forward and another step back. Life is a cha-cha. And so I don't speak from the other side of the bridge. I'm on the bridge, right? Like I'm with you on the bridge. But I think it's so important to talk about this because everyone I know says, I'm not there yet. Like I'm, I'm still working on it. When you're done, you're dead, girl. Like you just, right. so I just, it's so important for me to say that because especially when I'm interviewed, yeah, you know, we have this idea that let's, let's talk to the people who've, who've made it. Let's figure out, right. I, I still struggle every day, but what's different, what's different to allude to your last question, to finally answer, finally long-winded. No, you're good. Is, is it's, what, what's different is now I have an awareness of it. So I see it happening. I see myself and I go, Gina, you're playing small. I see what you're doing. I understand why you're doing it. You think it's making you safe. What can we do to make this, like what's the highest best purpose or best choice right now for you? I catch myself. And that's why I talk about it because I want other people to catch themselves too. Oh, thank you so much for saying that and for expressing it because yes to all of that. And I talk about sparkle a lot in my work, live your sparkle. And I define sparkle as your level of joy and enthusiasm and, you know, satisfaction in life. But no, it's not about ignoring the bad and just being happy. That's what we're getting away from because you're absolutely right. We have horrible days. This year, 2020 was really tough, really tough. <laughs> just because you've arrived or you get it doesn't mean yeah. that you don't have bad days. I love how you said you catch yourself because that's where the magic is, the awareness and that you catch yourself and you make a different choice because we're all going to make bad choices along the way because we're human. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, like 2020, uh, I was on tour. I've been on tour for two years and 2020 canceled my entire tour. I mean, that, that was crushing, crushing. I'd worked for, you know, over 25 years to get to this point and like totally wiped out everything. Um, we all have a story of what 2020 did to us, but, but what I really want to make a case for and underline what you're saying is that, you know, we have this, this positive growth movement, you know, positive affirmations, positive outlook, look, positive vibe. And what that really is, is it's a spiritual bypass. It's an, it's the idea that we're supposed to be happy all the time, that we're supposed to be positive. We're supposed to feel good all the time. But what we're really doing is we're bulldozering, we're suppressing, we're numbing. 
we're pushing through all the uncomfortable feelings that we naturally have as human beings. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, what we're doing is we're actually creating another kind of facade. Yes. You know, rather than, than looking at our life intently with some compassion, with some love, pushing those parts of us closer, what we're actually doing is fragmenting ourselves. We're actually splitting ourselves up. We're taking the part of us that's sad, frustrated, angry, hurt, resentful, and we're, we're pushing it away. We're actually slicing a part of ourselves off and we're suppressing it and saying positive affirmations in the mirror, or we're like, you know, reading positive books or we're doing, and there's nothing wrong with doing those things, but it has to be done in conjunction. Wholeness means coming together. Yes. And so much of what I see now, and I was, I was guilty, like, you know, as a speaker, I was part of the positivity movement, but what I stand for today is wholeness and wholeness means bringing close, becoming intimate with all the parts of yourself all the feelings that you feel, because this is the human experience. It is. It absolutely is. And thank you for saying that. And thank you for clarifying it in such a beautiful way, because it is a splitting and we do feel all sorts of things and it's good to feel all sorts of things. And yes, I choose to move into the positive when I can, but I tell you when I found out about my husband's infidelity, there was no affirmation that was going to take that pain away. There was no choosing to just smile and get through it. No, it's devastating. It's soul crushing. It's painful. I think about it every day for three years. It has fundamentally impacted me as a human. I can't just say, and I love myself. So I'm great. That's not okay. And that's not, that's not real. And I think it's so important that we all talk about that. Whether we talk about we're being shoved into something or whether we talk about don't you dare tell me to be happy when I'm not happy or whatever it is, it's really important to talk about some of the uncomfortable things that we experience in life. Because that way, you, you mentioned making, making things normal, we can normalize having a range of emotions. When you first started, and I appreciate that you said you're not there. When you first started coming out more, talking more, your speech is going viral, you're having these revelations and these realizations that it's not positivity, it's wholeness. What was the pushback that you got around that? Mm. Um, a lot of it was, was in the shadows. You know, it's really funny. My, my experience actually goes back a few years. I went through very much, you know, the whole dark night of the soul. I, I experienced such you know, my life looked, looked perfect on paper. I was a, a global speaker traveling the world, married kids. I had all the, the wonderful things, unhappy. We hear the story all the time. And in my misery, I went through a really long, pulled out, stretched out, tumultuous, personal, um, hidden um, pain. I, I never talked about it because I was teaching positivity. I was teaching. So it was very private for me. And it was that which made it very scary. And at one moment, I had a, a couple of what I call toilet bowl moments or the come to Jesus moment, you know, and in the bathroom. And, you know, when you look up and you're like, help do so I surrender, I surrender, send me a sign, send me a message. And you kind of wait and nothing happens. Like nothing. Like you hear these <laughs> amazing stories of people hearing the voice of God or a book falling off a shelf or like some crazy <laughs> thing. Nothing happened to me. Like nothing. I was like, hello, I've got to make dinner. Like, where are you? So, so 
I had a series of those and over and over, I just kept saying, I, I, I surrender my high, like, do I can't, I can't do this anymore. I surrender. And I didn't know, but what I was actually doing was inviting in the next level. But what nobody talks about is that when you want to change anything, it's not just reaching for the good. What happens is just like a caterpillar doesn't just turn into a butterfly. It actually disintegrates, becomes a pile of poop can I say poop I yes you can say poop <laughs> and start slowly to emerge as a butterfly and that's actually what happened so to answer your question everything slowly started to disintegrate my marriage my closest relationships when I started to actually achieve the success and and the, the publicity and I started touring and I was speaking with the greats of the greats on stage the closest people to me the people who I thought would would be championing me and supporting me became very silent and very uncomfortable. I lost some of the best friends that I ever had or thought I had. Um, some of people, some of my colleagues in my world just disappeared off the face of the earth. I had more support from strangers on social media than, than anything else. It oh. makes people uncomfortable. And this isn't to shame people. I think no. it's very, very normal. But it, it, when we dare, and this, I'm so glad you asked that question because nobody talks about this either. My second viral video was just about this. When we dare to make the decision to step into what you call the sparkle, the shine, the fullness, I call it your too muchness. Yes. That thing that you're so scared to be seen as. When you actually decide, I'm gonna leave this job, this marriage, I'm gonna do that thing, write the book, better my body, start burlesque dance, whatever it is. It, we, we have this narrative that, you know, we celebrate the butterfly. We're like, yay, look at you. I'm so proud of you. But nobody talks about how lonely it is. Nobody talks about how frightening it is. Nobody talks about what happens, the dynamic of the people around you watching get very, very uncomfortable because you're not there to, to be in their complacency with them. You're not playing, you know, the, the mediocrity card anymore. And it makes people uncomfortable. So I've really lost a lot of people. However, I, the way that I look at it is it was the shedding. It was the shedding of skin. And what I, what's gravitated to me is a really authentic, very few, but very authentic close relationships. And my favorite saying is I'd rather have four quarters than a hundred pennies. So it was necessary because the quality of my relationships a hundred times better. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that for you because I know that the joy that that would bring. And I just want to say, I'm sorry that you went through that. Yes, I can relate in certain ways. I think all of our listeners out there can relate, whether it's choosing to go back to work when your kids are still young, whether it's choosing to leave work <laughs> and stay home with your kids. Oh my gosh, people leave. People judge you. People get mad when you are doing what they kind of wish they were doing. They get weird and that's painful. Along those same lines, female relationships. I want to go there because there is this belief out there that females can be really catty and stab each other in the back. And yes, I've been stabbed in the back. And yes, I've been catty too. <laughs> but at the same time, I have this idea and I just want to know what you think that sometimes when we're told that we're catty, when we're told to be careful of your female friends. It keeps us divided. And that that is a narrative that we're just buying into. 
And that when we do all come together in our too muchness, in our shine, in not allowing each other to dim, that's when we all rise together. And not that it's overthrowing the patriarchy, but it's overthrowing the bad parts of the patriarchy. And I would love your thoughts around female relationships, authentic connections. Mm. This is such a huge one to unpack. I think it's really important to stay in the, from the beginning, we are groomed to be pitted against one another. And the root of that comes from scarcity. The idea that there's not enough. There's not enough attention. There aren't enough good men. There aren't enough good jobs for women. There aren't enough opportunities. And so what I've seen, because I work a lot with women corporately who are, who are in leadership positions, I, I work a lot of women in, with women in every sector, is that the idea of scarcity, that there's not enough to go around, makes us compete with one another. You know, fighting over men, fighting over jobs, fighting over positions, fighting over attention. And so we're groomed from a very early age to be in competition, to compare with one another in a way that men simply aren't. I mean, all of us play the comparison game. It's how we come to understand ourselves and individuate, like, who am I compared to you? How do I look? How, it, it, that's normal. But right. when, when, we, when we do it from a place of scarcity, it feels very different than when we do it from a place of wholeness. If I'm feeling really good in my body, if I'm feeling good and about myself, if my self-esteem is high, then I can look at you, see your differences, see your strengths, and I can appreciate those things. I can look at those things. They can be a source of inspiration for me. I can ask you, how can I be more like that? I, I, I can compliment you genuinely. I can, I can want to be around you. So some of that rubs off on me. It's a very different energy than when I come from a place of scarcity, because then I feel like it's a threat. Then I feel like I have to be against you instead of with you. And so it's, it's very hard, you know, I, I run a woman's movement, a global movement, and yes. it's very hard to come at this from, hey, we're sisters, let's link arms, let's, let's do this together, let's love one another. If we don't first, and this is so important, the order of things, just like a recipe, the order of things matter. You don't make a cake starting with the end ingredients, you start with the first ingredients. And so okay. the same thing is true for us. So it always starts with our relationship with ourselves. We need to get to a place where we have some roots firmly in the ground about who we are, celebrating ourselves, being clear about what we want and our desires so that then we come together with other women. And this is true for love relationships. This is true for any relationship. Yes. We're able to show up differently in the relationship. And so, yes, there's, I'm sure everybody has a story about a woman who's not treated her right or backstabbed or looked at her wrong or criticized her. Of course there is, but we also have stories of camaraderie. And so the way that we begin to, to heal that is by healing ourselves because our external relationships mirror our relationships with ourselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's so hard. Why is it so hard sometimes for us to look honestly at ourselves? Oh, hands down, because we're not taught how. Mm -hmm. Hands down, because we're not taught how. There's no, there's nowhere in the, in the general curriculum of life, formal education at home. No one ever tells us how to love ourselves, how to be intimate with ourselves, how to accept ourselves, how to like ourselves. We're not taught. That's why I do what I do because yes. nobody teaches us how to do it. All we keep saying is love yourself. And everyone's like, yeah, high five, love yourself. And nobody tells us how to do it. Nobody tells us 
like, what are the components of that? How do I do it? Is it just looking in the mirror saying, I love myself, I love myself? You know, affirmations aren't going to work if you have a deep rooted belief that you're unworthy, if you have a deep rooted belief that you're not enough. And so the reason it's so hard is because we don't know how to do it. We are so afraid of looking at, at the parts of ourselves. We have so much shame around ourselves. And so that's why I, alluding back to what we talked about before, we're all fragmented. You know, there's, yes. there's the, 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 the part of us that identify, there's a part of me that identifies as Gina. Yes. There's also so many parts of me. We're like a mosaic. There are so many parts of me, parts that I've banned away because I'm ashamed of them, parts of me that I've made bad decisions, parts of me that's embarrassed for things that I've done, parts of me that's ashamed of my body, parts of me that, that uh, regrets. So we're mosaics and we have all these different pieces of ourselves. And the reason it's so hard to look is because we've been told that all those pieces are wrong. Yes. And there's only one way we're supposed to be. So the work that I do specifically is about that. It's how can I pull those parts of me closer? How can I become more intimate, more compassionate, more understanding of those parts? That's, that's really the work to be done. Beautiful. What I love about that is it mirrors so much of what I see as a burlesque dancer, whether it's actually doing the burlesque dancing or the work that I do using burlesque as an analogy. When you go to a burlesque show, and for any listeners out there who haven't been, once we're done with this pandemic, you must go. Because it's real. It's all body sizes. It's all body shapes. It's all ages. It's all genders. It's everything. There are burlesque performers who have had mastectomies. You get to see it. It takes away the curiosity, the fear. Every year in Vegas, there's the legend show, women in their 70s and 80s. Do you know how many of us don't know what a 70 or an 80 year old female body looks like? Because we are shown a photo Photoshop 20 year old. We don't know what real people look like. So then we think all of those pieces of that mosaic are wrong. I don't look like that, I'm wrong. My hair is not like that, I'm wrong. My belly's sagging after I had babies, I'm wrong. My breasts are sagging after nursing, I'm wrong. My hair is gray, I'm wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. Let's start showing some reality. 100%, 100%. I mean, so much, I'm a woman in my 40s and uh, a lot of the narrative for me that comes up currently, like I'm talking now, like my now, my now challenges are, and if you see me on social media, um, you know, I post a lot of, of, of really raw uh, words and, and pictures. Now, three years ago, you could not find a picture of me on social media, except maybe one, a cute one with my kids. Like, I didn't want to be seen. I wanted to be professional. I wanted my words and my work to stand for themselves. And if you look at me now, I've come full circle. I mean, I've come, I've swung the whole, but the reason is because I, I want to make a case for being seen. I, I want to make a case for, you know, what the possibility is. And the voices in my head say, hold on, you're a mother in your forties. You're a professional speaker. You speak at large, what are you doing? And then I have to stop. And I have to, like, those are stories. Those are narratives. You know, we can drop ourselves into different places of history and we can say, you know, my body type was actually revered by the Greek gods and goddesses. We can look, you know, in, in some countries, ageism, 
you know, the, the idea that as a woman gets older is actually revered, like older people are, so it's all a story. It's all a story. And so I'm about debunking the myths and challenging the narrative. And so I love what you're saying because this is, this is how we change things. Yeah. This is how we change things. Yeah. And, and what I want to bring out and draw out of that story is because I've done it and I think listeners have done it too. And this is what I want to just put a little stake in. You knew it, but you didn't do it. I started dancing burlesque when I was 44. And no, I wasn't ashamed of it. I wouldn't have done it if I was ashamed of it. Most people knew, but I wasn't fully out of the closet because at that time I'm in my mid fifties now, but at that time, you know, same thing, kids are at home, all these things, I don't want to do it. And my parents would know, but they'd be like, well, don't tell those relatives. They're really conservative. They won't get it. So I'd be like, you're right. You're right. And then same thing. It took a while to be like, if somebody judges me, that's their problem. I'm not doing anything I'm ashamed of. I am fully in my power and I will reveal myself. And I want to put that stake in the fact that you and I both did the same thing. We did it, but we weren't quite willing to do it. And that's okay. And we got there. And whether listeners get there or not, it's nice to have that awareness. And it's all part of the process. I do, I do want to add to that because that's so beautiful. I want to say one thing. One of the privileges I have of being a public figure is I get a lot of exposure to a lot of people. And one of my favorite things to witness is how many hundreds of messages I get a week. I have someone who actually looks at them because I'm overwhelmed sometimes. Hundreds of messages a week of women who say, I can't do what you do. I can't be fully expressed yet. I can't own all the parts of my too muchness, but I've been watching you. And because I'm watching you, I wore red lipstick for the first time in 20 years. Or because of watching you, I actually started writing poetry again. I'm not publishing it, I'm not sharing it. Or because of you, I spoke up at work. Like we create ripples. And, and one of the things that gets me so emotional is I want to be, what gives me strength really? Because the question I get all the time is how do you become so courageous? I'm going to tell you, I, my knees are knocking all the time, all the time. But what gives me courage, what gives my legs strength is being a model of possibility for other people. And there's a ripple effect that takes place. And I will never know the impact of the ripple. Just like every single one of your listeners, I want you to hear me now. Every time you dare to just scribble a little bit out of the story, to stretch yourself a little bit, to be a little bit more yourself, to be a, put yourself out there in, in a way that you've never had before. Even the littlest ways, someone is watching you. Somebody is watching you. And they are. there's a ripple effect that happens. They are watching, they are witnessing. They may even resist you at first. I have so many people who say, I hated you when I first saw you. I thought, who is this girl <laughs> with the big boobs and, you know, like doing belly dance and looking provocatively? Like I, I was, but, but then I came back to something kept drawing me back. And the thing is when people are uncomfortable, it's awakening a part of them that they have repressed. So I want to encourage you. It's not just for you do it for you. But, but what I've learned, and this is what I want to share is that it's, it's wonderful. I, I do this for myself because I choose to live my highest, best life. But what I've seen in return 
is the ripple effect that I, I and we will never know the impact because it just it ripples out so far. But the ripple effect is endless. And this is again, this is how we change things by changing ourselves. People are watching, people are impacted, even people who criticize, resist. There's a, there's a part of you that's leaving remnants on their psyche, on their skin, on their hearts, daring them, whispering in their ear, bigger, bigger, bigger. And, and we, you do that. And this is the imprint that you make on the world. And, and this is truly how we create the ripples of change. Mm. I, I, I just feel so passionately about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So beautifully said. What I also find so moving about that is the ripples are different. And you're not saying everybody needs to go be provocative and belly dance. And I'm not saying everybody needs to be a flirt and do burlesque. It's do whatever it is for, that's authentically you. Totally. And I think that is something sometimes that intentionally gets misconstrued. You know, when you said people sometimes will say, I used to hate you. I think that's that almost intentional fear of, oh, I, I, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna hate on that person because they're waking up a part of me that I have kept asleep for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. I always say like, my, my story of being a too much woman, um, you know, in my book, what I try to do in my chapters is is give different examples because being too much doesn't necessarily mean being provocative or being loud or being showy. No, you know, there, there are many, many layers to that. So for example, being told I was too sensitive my whole life, I always thought that was a bad thing. I always thought that was wrong. I was, I was told that I had to toughen up. It's a tough world. Stop crying. Stop being so emotional, you know, stop getting so upset about things. You know, we, we tell people that that's a sign of weakness, but what we understand is that's a, that's a very feminine characteristic and that feminine characteristic when it's embodied is actually, there's a place for it in, in business. There's a place for it in corporate. There's a place for it in entrepreneurship. There's a place for it in teaching. There's a place for it in politics. There's a place, I mean, the world is shifting. And so when I tell people to embrace their too muchness or be more of themselves, it doesn't mean, you know, this is how my too muchness looks on me. Right. It's going to be different for everyone else. And so I'm asking you to be more of who you are, whatever you're resisting, to just lean a little bit more into that. And, mm-hmm. and as you said, it really is different for everyone. For some people, it's growing out their gray hair. For some people, like it, it doesn't matter what it is. It's, it's what feels more true to you. To you. Right. Exactly. The mosaic. I love that. Um, the pieces of the mosaic that I tend to focus on are being smart, being sexy, and being spiritual. And to me, you embody many of those pieces. And the way I talk about it is those are the three most threatening things a woman can do. She can be very connected to spirit and she can trust and she can hear and she can know. She can be sexy and own her sexuality because it's for her. It's not for anybody else. And she can be smart and she can see through all of that BS. And I think you were such a perfect model of those three things. I was wondering if you had more difficulty bringing one of those facets forward 
or what your relationship with those three pieces of your being in particular have been like? Can you repeat those three and I can let them smart? sit? Yes, feel smart because I know you're very smart, sexy and spiritual. You've got the whole spiritual G-spot. Yeah, yeah. For sure the one, as you say, I just wanted to hear you say it again because I'm, I'm very, my body my body knows. I, I wanted to think of an answer with my head, but I'm, I, I really wanted to sink in my body when you said that. And what definitely the response, the most visceral response I got was sexy. And the reason is because, first of all, let's address that one in three women will experience sexual assault to some degree in their life. And so being sexy is not safe. It's, yeah. not, it's not safe, you know, how we dress, showing ourselves um, I have a story in my, my video, the too much woman that went viral and it's very, it's only five minutes, but I have a sliver of a story of how at the peak of my corporate success, corporate speaking success, I was, um, part of a conference where there was thousands of men in suits. And I was the only female speaker in a panel of 12 for like a three day conference. And I remember getting so prepared. I wanted to show up and I wanted to kill it. I wanted to show that I could play with the big boys and I could be like the men and I wanted to impress everybody. And you know what? I did it. I had the, the hottest, it was such an incredible, like the suit what literally went up to my neck. Like it was buttoned to the top. There was nothing sexy about me. I pulled my hair back. I had my fake glasses. I, I manned up. I literally looked like a man. And I went up, I prepared so hard for that speech. I went out and I killed it. I knocked that right out of the park. I got a standing ovation. Everyone loved my speech. And I knew that I had, I had raised up my game. I had, I had up-leveled myself and I earned the respect of the men in the room. And I walked off that stage and I went to my car and I was floating. Like I felt like I was on top of the world because I had made it. I had made it in my mind. I had made it. And as I'm walking to my car, a man from the audience came up to me and he said, Hey, I just, I just had to tell you, like, I, I loved your talk. You're so powerful. You're so incredible. Can I walk you to your car? And I said, absolutely. And here I am thinking like, I just, I, I just felt so powerful <laughs> in that moment. And as we approach my car, he grabs my arm. And I, I say this in the speech because it's the doggone truth is nails. It felt like he had nails that were like talons digging into my, through my suit. And he pulled me close and he said, I have a fetish for librarian types. And I, I it, it was like that moment will forever give me chills because what I realized, not in that moment, that moment was just like, I got in my car, I drove off, I was petrified. And on that drive home, I was just crying. I just cried a lifetime of tears because what I realized is that no matter what, I get emotional talking about this. I'm just, no matter what I did, no matter how I manned up, no matter how I desexualized myself, no matter how I, I dimmed this meat suit down, I was still seen as a sexual object. I was still sexualized. There was no escaping it. I thought I was playing it so safe. And I tell this story because it, it wasn't like a switch went off and I was like, that's it. I'm going to, that's it. I'm going to, you know, start shaking my, no, it wasn't that. It was like, I, I need to find a way to be safe in this body, to feel safe. I have a right to feel safe in this body, whether I'm wearing a turtleneck or a bikini on the beach 
or, or, or some, you know, working out clothes at the gym. I have a right to be safe and be seen in this body. So that has been, and still continues to be the greatest challenge, you know, smart, there's a container for smart, you know, we can like smart women, as long as they're not too threatening, we, there's a container for spirituality, kind of, sort of, maybe, but sexual, no, because what I hear all the time is, you can't wear that to where I have so many videos on this, you know, you, your cleavage is distracting, or, you know, like, you can't wear that, people aren't going to take you seriously, and, and I'll be honest, you don't know how many people have said to me, you know, you're a professional speaker and you post these really provocative pic pic pictures on social media. No one's going to want to hire you. Well, first of all, that's BS because exactly. my, my career has gone off the charts um, be because uh, what, I, what I'm daring people to do is say a woman can be sexy and brilliant yes. and spiritual and have self-respect and be classy and be a mother and care about other people and have a conscious and be ethical and be socially responsible. And yes. she can be all the things. She can be all the things. That's end of my rant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you picked a sore spot. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I, I a hundred percent hear you because that is my rant too. That is my mission. It is so infuriating to not ever be seen, to not ever be known, to always have somebody circle it back around to something that is so superficial. Or to have people say, pick a box. Like, like here's the other thing. You, sure, you can be sexy, but if you're sexy, you're just going, going in the whole box. Right. Like, you're just going to be the, the hoe that has the OnlyFans account that that, you know, is in porn, that's seen as the object, and men only want to screw you. Okay, that's fine right. to be that. Right. But just know that you're that, but you can't be that and be smart. No, 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 you can't. So you're either going to be smart to pick your box, you're right. going to be smart. You're going to be the good girl or the spiritual, or, you know, whatever, or you're going to be the sexy one. Pick your box. Pick it. Uh, that's that infuriates. Right. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> There's a song, you know, you, you we want to, they want a lady in the streets and a freak in the bed. Right. It's like, it's like you, you want your cake and eat it too. Like we can be all the things. We can be all the things. <laughs> right. Yes, I absolutely. And it's really frustrating to me that we are still here. We broke those molds a long time ago. <laughs> Why is it still here? Yeah. I, well, what, what we've seen, I mean, not to, to get political, but what we've seen is that there, uh, there's a lot that's being unearthed. And so while we've made great strides in a lot of ways, what happened is a lot of the resistance has just gone underground. And Absolutely. What, what we're seeing the shift globally, energetically, what we're seeing in particular, it's very obvious in politics, um, but what we're seeing is the misogyny is, is there. It's just, it's, it was underground. So now um, it is coming to light and yeah. it's scary when the shit comes up, when the, when the, when the stuff comes up. Um, it's just like I said before, like, if you want to create change personally, you can't just create change by, you know, changing your hair and getting your nails done and getting a new wardrobe. You've got to be willing to look into the dark crevices of yourself. And the same is true for a marriage. You yeah. know, if you want your marriage to be better. You can't just say, you know what, let's just go on juicy dates. Let's have date night and just talk about fun stuff and have great sex. No, you got right. to look at what's not working. And the same is true globally. Yes. You know, we want to look, we want to change anything to be better. 
we have to be willing. And if we're not willing, it's still going to happen. Like we have to be willing to look at what we're doing to the earth, how, what we're doing to women, what we're doing to minorities, what we're doing. So although it, it is very frustrating at the same time, this is how progress is made. This is how we change things. By, by, you know, we revolutionize things by looking at the, the, the poop. <laughs> yes, exactly. But, but you're right. It's that radical honesty because nothing is wholly good. Nothing is wholly bad. And even going back to the whole sexuality, when we criminalize sex, when we criminalize sexuality, that breeds that whole dark underbelly too, because we are sexual beings it's creation. It's a divine act. It's miraculous. And the more we repress, the weirder things get. And I am not saying that no woman would ever be raped again if we talked honestly about sex and sexuality, but I do think it would make a huge impact and a big difference if we were all able to talk and express. And children from an early age on knew my mother is my mother, and she's also a sexual being. Again, not getting into the inappropriateness of it, but getting into the reality of it. Yeah, I have two teenagers. I have a 16-year-old son and a 14-year-old daughter. <clears throat> and I get a lot of people uh, lovingly say, um, what do your kids think? Like when they see your, like, what do they say when they see your, your stuff on Instagram? Like, what do they, and I say, well, you know, I've, I, we have very open communication for one, and I've raised them to, to think for themselves. And what I hope they see, because I want them to decide for themselves, but what I hope they see is a woman who is leaning into uh, being comfortable with her body, a woman who is fully expressed, a woman who is living her, 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 her honesty, a woman who is not ashamed of herself, a woman who is making some mistakes, um, a woman who is figuring out how to manage those mistakes, change gears, shape shift, course correct, a woman who falls down, picks herself back up, a woman who isn't afraid of criticism, a woman who has a fierce loyalty to herself, fierce acceptance of herself. That's what I hope they see. Yeah. And, and that is more real to me than uh, a sugar-coated picture of, of what a, a woman or a mother looks like. I mean, my daughter sees me uh, on my knees crying. Um, she sees me in my discomfort of my body, she sees me celebrating my body. And I want her to see all the parts so that when she experiences that, it normalizes the experience for her. And I want, that's what power comes from. Power doesn't come just from looking at the good parts of ourselves and saying, look how great it is, look how good. No, power comes from accepting all the parts of yourself. And that's, that's what I want my kids to see. That's beautiful. And that is what they're going to see. And that's what I hope that they're going to encourage their friends to see. And that's that ripple effect that you were talking about. Now you've got a book. Has it already been released or is it about to be released? I, no, it was released. It's funny. It's funny you say that. So I had been writing a book for some time. And uh, when the speech went viral and I was speaking at the International Women's Summit with some of the you know, with Liz Gilbert and all these crazy, I was told that I needed the book ready for that event. And so I only had six weeks to finish the book. And anybody who's oh. written a book knows that <laughs> like it takes a long time. So I literally for six weeks did not sleep up, up all nights uh, trying to finish this book. So what happened was uh, the book did go to print um, and it is out there and it is published and it's being, um, I'm writing the, the currently writing uh, the epilogue. <laughs> the part two. So it's called Celebrating the Too Much Woman. You can find it anywhere. 
uh, on my website, on Amazon, really anywhere books are sold. And uh, it really, what's fascinating to me is the book was written from the, a very raw place of, oh my God, this is happening to me. And now I, 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 I have like the, and then part figured out. So it's, it's, um, it's, it's such a precious uh, benchmark of the process. Perfect. Oh, I, you know, I, I need to grab that. Listeners, definitely check it out. Gina, where can people find out more about you and learn more about your movement, the work that you do, um, hire you for speaking, all of that? Yeah, GinaHatsis.com is my website. However, I'm very active on social media. Facebook is where I have my groups, where I put most of my work, my tribe, my movement is all on Facebook. So just look up Gina Too Much Woman and you can find me there. I'm on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Uh, search me up. I'm ev- I'm everywhere, <laughs> especially now that there's a pandemic. I'm literally not going anywhere. So I'm on social media. You can find me. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Listeners, it is my most sincere hope that there were moments in today's shows where you felt uncomfortable. I'm a really big believer that when we're starting to feel uncomfortable or go, oh, that's, oh, I have, oh, that that's where the growth happens. So It is my most sincere hope that you feel a little uncomfortable, a little inspired, a little curious. And above all, I really hope that you move into your too muchness, whether your too muchness is being too much and too loud, or whether your too muchness is being too soft or too quiet. Move into it. Own it. Have an amazing week. Reach out to Gina on social. You know that you can find me every Monday morning at 1030 Mountain in the Flaunt Flock on Facebook. Reach out, have fun, have an amazing week, and always remember to flaunt exactly who you are because who you are is always more than enough. Tune in next time to Flaunt. Build your dreams, live your sparkle with radio host Laura Cheadle every Wednesday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 radio network. Overcome the need to please and find the uninhibited joy of being exactly who you are right now. Come find your fetish, laugh out loud, accept unconditionally, navigate the negative, and trust in your truth. Find out more and get your free gift at lauracheadle.com. That's L-O-R-A-C-H-E-A-D-L-E.com. 